You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi everyone, this is Aileen and welcome to episode 72 of The Music Room. Today I'm going to talk to you about time-saving tips for assessment. Before we begin, I want to say Happy New Year. I hope that you had a restful break and wonderful holiday season. All right, so as I'm recording this, I have been working on grades. I'm actually recording this before the new year, and I was reflecting on my process for grading and for assessment, and I realized that I have picked up some things along the way that have helped me save time, but especially last year, I feel like there were a few things that I learned because of teaching virtually that have really shaped the way that I do assessment now that have helped me save time. So I thought I would share those with you today. All right, here we go. All right, so strategy number one for saving time with assessment is to write out your comments at the start of the quarter. So here's what I mean by this. In my district, we have comments that we can give all of the students on their grade card. And I often have kind of like a blanket comment that goes to everybody, and then I'll have a more specific comment after that for some students. So the more general comment might be something like this. For first grade, I might say something like, this quarter in music class, first graders learned the rhythms ta and tt, also known as quarter and eighth notes. Students also practiced four voices And then in parentheses, I have singing, speaking, whispering, and shouting voices, and sang echo and call response songs. Additionally, first graders learned many winter holiday songs. This marking period, students were assessed on their ability to map pitch, their writing and identification of rhythm patterns, their ability to identify four voices, their identification of beat versus rhythm, and their response with movement to music. So that blurb that I just read to you, I actually wrote that at the beginning of this quarter. And I, you know, kind of tweaked it as I went. So it wasn't exactly necessarily the the way that I just read it to you, but it was pretty similar. And I started doing this last year with teaching virtually just so I could kind of plan out like, okay, what am I going to do that with them this quarter? So I will write out the comment and that will help me figure out, okay, what assessments am I doing with them? So I kind of look at my assessments, I write out the comments, um, and you can even like put the assessments in the grade book, just so you know, okay, I'm going to do these assessments this quarter or whatever that might be, and then kind of go from there. I have felt like this has helped me save time because you know, I'm not like scrambling at the end of the quarter, like, oh my goodness, I don't have enough grades because I've planned out carefully exactly what I'm going to do. And I even have like a checklist in Google Sheets where I figure out per quarter what assessments I'm doing with each grade level. But then I will even sometimes like write exactly which lesson or which week I'm going to do that assessment. That helps me space them out and really think ahead to when I am doing those assessments and which assessments I'm doing. And that's really helped me save time and just be more efficient. Okay, strategy number two is to carefully plan your assessments so that you don't have any at the very end of the quarter. I made this mistake for many years of my teaching because I wasn't planning ahead enough and because I was scrambling at the end of the quarter realizing that I needed to fit in another assessment to really feel like I had good data to share with the parents. But last year when I was teaching virtually and I started writing those comments and figuring out exactly which lessons I was going to do the assessments in, then I actually 
made this mistake while I was teaching virtually. I realized like I had a lesson at the very end of the quarter that I had to assess and it was just taking me so long to get my grades done because first I had to assess everything and then I had to do my grades. So I realized that, I don't know, maybe halfway through the year and I thought, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Like uh, my other friends that were in CDL were like, oh yeah, we're done with assessments. I'm just grading now. And I'm like, why didn't I do that? You know? So um, this year teaching in person, I made sure to have you know, a week or so at the end of the quarter where I was completely done with all of my assessments and I just had to either, you know, like grade them or put them in the grade book or kind of figure out what all the students were getting for grades and that kind of thing. And it just really saved time because I wasn't, again, I wasn't scrambling at the end of the quarter. That's kind of the theme of this, right? Because <laughs> I did that for so many years and that's really helped just to have like a little bit of buffer, you know, to figure out what the grades are and kind of input them without worrying about grading at anything at the end of the quarter. Strategy number three, for saving time with assessment is to figure out for each assessment what is the best way to record the data. If you have read my blog before, if you listen to my podcast, you've probably heard me talk about a little notebook that I use and that's been really helpful for some assessments. Um, So let's say my students are like playing a rhythm identification game or something like that. Then instead of me writing down how each and every student did on a particular question, I write down the names of the students who are absent And then I write down a student's name only if they answered something incorrectly and I'll put a minus next to their name. And then if they answer another question incorrectly, I'll put a second minus next to their name. And in this scenario, it's the kind of assessment where like they're closing their eyes and voting. And I'm just, you know, if a student's raising their hand for the correct answer, I'm not writing anything down. I'm only writing it down if they're answering incorrectly. And then at the end of the assessment, you know, you have maybe one student missed four out of five questions. You know, they're struggling with that concept. And maybe someone else, their name wasn't written down at all. So you know they did perfectly which is why you also need you know the names of the absent students written down so this notebook idea works really well for a lot of assessments but this year I usually in the past have been bringing an iPad with me every day to work and I just didn't do that because our my um, youngest daughter dropped her iPad and we got it fixed but then like the home button wasn't working and I just kind of just quit bringing it to work so I had been like writing down all of the solo singing grades in my notebook too But then I was having to take the notebook and then put it next to me by my computer and inputting the grades into the gradebook from the notebook. And after I'd been doing that for a while, I thought this is not the most efficient way to do this. I need to get the iPad again. So actually what I did is I just used one of my school iPads and I, you know, just kind of save that. And then if a student needs to use it, I log out of, of my gradebook. But that way with solo singing, I can pull up the teacher's class and as they're singing to me, I'm inputting it into the gradebook just so I know how they're doing with solo singing. Or with my kindergartners, they were doing a beat tracking assessment where like, let's say for BB Bumblebee, I have like 16 Bs up there for rows of four and they're tracking the beat as we all say BB. And I just had like five students per class doing that for like four different lessons until I saw everybody do it. And in that kind of assessment, the iPad worked really well too because I could just input it right there and then I can see who have I seen do this, who have I not seen do this. And that just made me so much more efficient. So you just kind of have to figure out for each assessment, what is the best way to record the data? Okay, strategy number four. This I definitely picked up from teaching virtually. I definitely have gotten better at this with virtually teaching. And that is to plan for more than one assessment for a particular topic, if this is possible. And I realize some of you maybe only see your students like once a week or once every other week, and this might not be possible. But what I mean by this is like, 
let's say you are assessing students on their knowledge of like musical symbols and musical terms. I actually did this with uh, second, third, fourth, and fifth grade this quarter with, you know, different symbols for each grade level. So instead of just having one assessment and kind of basing their entire, what we call classifying, we have different strands and I'll go into that in a minute, but for the classifying strand, instead of just having one assessment to base their classifying grade on, I did a similar assessment in another lesson. So I had one assessment where it was just kind of like Actually, I use Plickers for it. So I had the assessment on my board and they use Plickers cards, which I can link to Plickers in, in the show notes. It's a really awesome free tool for assessment. So you can really see how students are answering for each question instead of having them raise their hands. It's more accurate. So anyway, I had one assessment for like musical symbols and terms where they were using Plickers cards. And then in another lesson, I had them do something similar, but with a Schoology assessment because they were working in a virtual classroom. So as part of the virtual classroom, I had them do a Schoology assessment. And then I had two assessments to base their grade on, which just made me feel better. You know, when you only have one thing to go off of and a student doesn't do well, then, you know, you kind of second guess yourself like, uh, were they just having a bad day? And then you kind of feel bad for, you know, giving a quote unquote bad grade or a progressing grade or whatever, because you don't have enough data. And I think this is something that's very specific to being a special areas teacher because classroom teachers are getting data from their students all the time because they see them all the time. But when we're seeing our students like once a week, or like I said, once every other week, we're not getting nearly as much data. And then you have one piece of data for a particular topic and you feel bad giving them a bad grade. And I took a course several years ago about SLOs, also known as student learning objectives. And they talked about just like the benefit of having as much data as possible. So with this, when you have at least two assessments for a particular category on your grade card, then you just feel better. Like if they're struggling with both assessments, then you know they're struggling. But if, you know, they did perfectly on one and they were struggling on the other, then you know they're they're not totally struggling. You know, maybe they're just having a bad day or maybe they did the first assessment they didn't do as well on, but the second assessment, they remembered what they had done in the first assessment and where they had, you know, answered incorrectly and they were able to do better. So, and I would call that a time-saving tip because for me, it saves time because it saves time fretting and stressing about should I give a grade based off of this one assessment, you know, it just kind of like calms you because you just have more data. And uh, I just have really appreciated having more and just being able to make a more informed decision about their grade. And going back to the standards-based grading, I can link to a blog post about standards-based grading um, that I've written on my blog. But in my district, we have five categories. We have performing, reading slash writing, classifying, responding, and creating. And so all of the assessments kind of like fit under each of those sub umbrellas, I guess. So when I was talking about, you know, fitting into a a strand or whatever, that's, that's what I was talking about. And then the fifth strategy for saving time is to have some of your lessons, and this is something that I um, have been going more and more towards because it's better for students anyway, but it also can be really helpful for you. Plan some lessons where students are working in small groups or students are working independently, like I was just talking about the virtual classroom, where they are having fun on their Chromebooks, on their devices, or whatever that might be, working in a small group, and they don't need constant supervision. Obviously, you're in the room, you're watching them, you're, you know, looking for raised hands, you're looking for any questions. I'm not saying to zone out or anything, but you know, you might be able to 
pull a stack of worksheets as they're working and grade those. This is especially helpful if, and I learned this from my friend Carla Chawinski, she likes to do this so that the students have immediate feedback. So she um, will plan for some kind of like game or small group work or something like that so that she can grade the worksheet they just did while they're playing or while they're working independently and then immediately give it back to them. I have tried this. It is kind of tricky to do because it's not just grading the worksheet, but also inputting it into your grade book or at least making a note to yourself. That's probably what I should do is just make a note to myself like this student struggled instead of writing down every single grade and then giving it back to them. That way they have that immediate feedback and you don't have like a stack of papers on your desk from like a few weeks ago that you never give back to students because you haven't seen them, you know, that kind of thing. So whether you are, you know, giving it back to them right away, or you're just grading another class's worksheets while another, you know, a different class is in your room working, and you're still, like I said, glancing up, making sure that everything is okay, they don't need your, your help. Um, and that just really helps, like, especially if you have a bunch of papers to grade, that can be a good way to just save some time. Um, and this is something that I do feel passionate about that, like, you know, as a, a music ed major, I was trained to be whole class with my with my classes, with my lessons the entire time. And I'm not doing that anymore, especially with like third, fourth, and fifth, or second, third, fourth, and fifth. I've been really good about having a chunk of time where they're, like I said, working in small groups or working independently or whatever. With kindergarten and first grade, that's still something that I'm working towards. It's a little bit harder to uh, not have um, most of the lesson be whole group, but I'm, that's still something I'm working towards. And like I said, when they're having fun, you know, working on whatever you've given them, let's say your fourth graders are working on Incredibox and they're making music with Incredibox, they're probably not going to have a bunch of questions for you. So then you could keep an eye on them and still, you know, kind of catch up on something else. All right, so that's it as far as strategies for saving time. I hope you found at least one strategy in there that could be helpful for you as you grade and as you input grades into your gradebook. All right, I'm going to talk about what I'm consuming. I just got the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and I am loving it so far. I'd heard really good things about it, and I got it as a birthday present, and I need to pick it back up again because I was like really into it, and then life got crazy again. But um, what I've read so far has been just so good. It's kind of like from what I can tell so far, kind of like a a bunch of like stories about her life, but all kind of under one undercurrent or one theme, um, but just different, you know, vignettes, I guess you would say, but they're just, it's so good. It's so good. So I'm going to dive back into that now that um, as I'm recording this, I'm about to go on winter break. So I will make sure that I finish that up. But I have heard some people tell me that the book was life-changing. So that's pretty powerful. So I'm excited to dig back into that. I hope this is helpful for you. Like I said, as you are assessing in your music room and uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet, give a review if you haven't yet, and tune in for the next podcast, which is with my friend Michael Seifert, all about social emotional learning. I'm super excited for you to listen to that one. Have a wonderful day. Bye.